Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The following program is brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio. Begin to be poured out upon all men. This is that spoken by the prophet Joel. This is that spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I pour out my spirit, saying, Lord. Everybody, Pastor Bob, the Tell It Like It Is radio show. Good to have you with us tonight. Uh, glad that you're on. Listen, you're listening to a live broadcast this May fifteenth, twenty twenty two. And if you listen to it later on a podcast, of course, it won't be live then. 
we come every Sunday night. This is a live radio uh, program, an AM radio station here in Dickinson, North Dakota. I'm the pastor of the New Life Pentecostal Church in Dickinson, which we will be telling you about throughout this program. If you live in the southwest North Dakota area, we've got several options where you can go to church, and we'd love to connect you with a good Acts 238 church. Tonight, if you want to be part of the program, you can text me, 701-290-7862. So far, we've got a few people texted in already. We've got the famous Brother Jones listening in Minneapolis. We've got Billy or Stormy Deesom over in the Philippines listening. He just I just saw him pop in. Brother Griffith out in Great Falls, Montana. We've got Brother uh, Joe listening in Texarkana, Arkansas, who just has had a miracle in his life. He said his heart was has been healed by the Lord. I'm not going to read all the details here, but that's an exciting news. We've got Tim listening in North Carolina. Here again, if you want to be part of the program, let me know you're listening, 701-290-7862. Brother, the uh, Lunas are listening in... Um, I didn't bring my guitar. No, I didn't, Brother Luna. I got something better than a guitar. I got a special speaker here tonight. But we've got, um, throughout the broadcast, I'll be giving you those numbers out again. But if you have any questions or comments tonight, uh, certainly text me, 701-290-7862. Or if you're out of the country, email me, robertsimons58 at gmail.com. We had a tremendous Church service today at the New Life Pentecostal Church at 501 Elks Drive in Dickinson. We're right on Interstate 94. You can't miss us. But the speaker we had in church today, who is one of the favorite speakers in our local church, is a man named Joseph Conroy, and I was able to secure him to come into the radio station tonight, and I am definitely excited about this program. He is a storyteller. He's got many, many, many stories, and I'm going to try, I'm trying to focus him in on one story tonight otherwise we only have an hour so but uh, brother conroy welcome to the tell it like it is radio show and good to have you with us and tonight what we're going to be focusing on of course you can introduce yourself and tell us about how you came to god and so on um, but we'd like to focus on your missionary journeys in the middle east that's kind of the, the sure. essence of our program so go ahead brother conroy welcome to the show well i'm glad to be here thank you for your invitation uh man to be on a show called tell it like it is and that's what I love to do. And I'm so glad because one day somebody told me like it is. And it changed my life forever. Uh, I may not sound it on the air, but I'm 67 years of age. Uh, I'm still 17 on the inside. And I probably don't even have that level of maturity. But uh, I came in in the hippie days back in the very early 70s. And uh, I can tell you I was looking for the Lord Jesus Christ. I wasn't looking for drugs. But I didn't know where to find him. Find him. Uh, praise God, he found me. And uh, brought me into the full New Testament experience that Peter preached from the day of Pentecost. And uh, I thank God for that. Why settle for anything less? Why settle for less? I want, I want what Jesus uh, died to provide us. John said, I indeed baptize you with water. But the one that's coming is mightier than I. And he'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. I'm so glad tonight I can say that. Thank God I'm washed in the blood of Jesus, baptized in the name of Jesus, and filled with the spirit of Jesus Christ. Praise God. And uh, now Brother Simons brought me here tonight to talk about missions. And I can tell you honestly, I don't think there's a greater calling uh, for a Christian than to be a missionary. You might say, well, Brother Conroy, that sounds kind of... 
I mean, you're a missionary, so of course you would think that would be the greatest calling. But I think if you really look at the Lord Jesus, every apostolic son of God, every daughter of the king, we are all called to represent our God. Uh, Your mission field may not be a country, China, Japan, Norway, uh, Nigeria, uh, it may be a location in, in, in a university setting or in a hospital setting. You may be called to be the manager of a McDonald's restaurant, and that would be your mission field. And uh, you don't have to be a preacher, quote-unquote, uh, to be a missionary. All you have to do is love God and love the lost, and you will find your way to uh, open that message of salvation to them. Uh, I was very fortunate in a lot of ways to grow up in a missionary-minded home. It was not a Bible-believing home. It wasn't a Bible-unbelieving home. We were just basically biblically illiterate. Uh, We were uh, a very large denomination, probably the largest denomination out there. Uh, I was raised Roman Catholic and a very devout Irish Catholic family. Grew up going to Mass virtually every single morning of the week. Uh, we wouldn't even eat breakfast till we got home from Mass. And uh, my, my mother and father belonged to what they call the Third Order Carmelites, which is kind of a lay... Uh, it's, you have Carmelite priests, Carmelite nuns, Carmelite monks, Carmelite brothers. And then you had lay people that could join this and be Carmelites, but... Kind of, and financially support the Carmelite order. Uh, my aunt was a Dominican nun. My uncle is a Jesuit priest. I mean, we were Catholic to the max. And uh, I have to say, I learned a lot of things in the Catholic Church. A lot of Bible-believing people are not willing to go to church every day of the week. Uh, I loved that. That was the best way to start the day. And uh, uh, pray in the evening. We pray as a family. Uh, I just wish we had let God in more. That would have transformed a very unhappy home. Uh, But we didn't know the Bible. But my father was an attorney at law there in Chicago, in the Archdiocese of Chicago. He did a lot of what they call pro bono or for for free legal work. And uh, he was, of course, you know, the Archbishop of Chicago would normally be made a cardinal. So he had friendship with the cardinal, whoever was cardinals at, you know, in sixth mission. And uh, he would always ask if he heard there was a missionary priest or a missionary nun anywhere in the diocese. He would go to the cardinal and ask him, you know, uh, would it be possible after Mass Sunday, wherever this priest is, is preaching, would I be able to take him out for dinner? I'll buy him a suit, buy him some shoes. Uh, we would love to give him a good offering. And he'd usually give him, a, uh, even back in those days, it was a huge offering. Um, but he would always ask him, if he has any of those little films, missionary, uh, could he bring them and show my kids? And uh, lots of times they would. And I knew it from four years of age. That's what I want to be. I don't want to be a lawyer. I'd be a good lawyer. I know I would. But I didn't want to be that. Uh, I wanted to be a missionary. I wanted to go tell people that had not heard about this Jesus. The little that I knew about him, I wanted to tell them about Jesus. And thank God, he, he never took that from me. It grew in my heart when he brought me into the full gospel. I thought, if I was willing to serve you like that in a partial understanding, 
God, now that I've got this Acts 2.38 salvation, I'm in. I will go where you want me to go. It doesn't matter where. It really doesn't. Nothing would make me happier. And so uh, as I came into church, God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I was baptized in Jesus' name. Uh, Right off the bat, I was a soul winner there at the school, people I knew. Uh, Eventually I went to Bible college because I thought they could make me uh, a preacher. Um, And maybe for some people that works. It did not work for me. Praise God. Uh, In fact, not to boast, but if I have a boast, this is one of them. Those professors would see us standing in line to go into the cafeteria at Bible college, and they would invariably pass by me and and, uh, stop and say, now what was your name again, brother? And I would say, Brother Conroy. And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, i got a question for you, brother. Why are you here in Bible college? And I would say, well, what do you mean? I, I want to learn about the Word of God so I can be effective. And they'd say, brother, can I tell you something? You know as much coming in as most of these guys graduating out. And I would think, did you hear that? I mean, I wouldn't say it, but I would be so proud of that. But then I, I finished with my time in Bible school, and nothing happened. So uh, I got a very glamorous job. Uh, I was the manager of a pizza hut, pizza parlor. And uh, I thought, God, this is the end. I went to Bible school. I'm, I'm not even flipping pancakes. I'm cranking out pizzas here. I hate this job. God, if you love me, get me out of here. And one night, of all places that God could have spoke to me, it was 5 p.m., the dinner rush. I was coming in to take over for the evening there and close it out. And when I walked in, there was a line of, it was a very busy night. There was a line of people waiting to pay. They weren't charging, cashing anybody out because they had already done the drawer waiting for me to step up so that if there were any mistakes, not on them, on me. And when I got up to the register, the first thing the Lord said is, I want you to go to Aleppo, Syria as a missionary. And it was so intense, not like shocking, you know. And actually, I had read about Aleppo one time in the National Geographic magazine. I thought it was just an archaeological site. Uh, It was a major city in the country of Syria. And so I just, and then the next thing the Lord said, I want you to witness to that man. And so I thought, what man? So I I was looking out at all the people in the line. And uh, I just knew whenever, whoever I look at, the one that God wants, I'll just know that's him. But no, 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 no. I turned around to see the workers. No. And then all of a sudden this man walked out of the back room with a stack of empty pizza plates that he had just washed. And I thought he was Hispanic because he had, you know, the darker hair, uh, darker complected. And uh, I just knew him. That's who God wants me to witness to. So I walked over to him. I said, you know, well, hello. I said, is this your first day here? He said, yeah, they they started me this morning. They hired me. They had uh, uh, no dishwasher, so they called me up. I'd applied before. Uh, is that okay? And I said, well, yeah, it's fine. Uh, I said, uh, what's your name? He said, well, my name is Sam. And he had a real heavy accent. And I thought, well, like Samuel, you know. He said, no, uh, Sam. I said, really? Are you Hispanic? He said, no, I'm from Syria. I said, really? He said, yeah, I'm from the city of Aleppo. And I thought, oh, God. And so uh, 
it was so busy that people were like, we want to pay, we want to pay. Where's the, you know, so I, I, I said, listen, Sam, did they show you around? I said, is your name really Sam? He said, no, it's Suhail. I said, well, can I call you Suhail? Would that bother you? He said, no, I would like that. You know, I said, well, Suhail, look, it's really busy now, but later tonight, uh, when you get a, a time, if that, would they showed you everything? Were they friendly to Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, well, look, it's busy now, but when it slows down, I'm going to be out there uh, uh, doing, start working on the books, get yourself a cup of coffee, get your dinner, whatever, and come over. I've got something I'd like to talk to you about. And right away, I noticed he got really nervous, you know, and in retrospect, I think he was nervous that I was going to fire him because maybe he didn't have the correct visa to work. He'd come over on a student visa from Syria, I found out later. Uh, And so uh, about 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, I was out in the dining room, you know, starting the books. And Suhail came over and he sat down and again, he was still kind of nervous. I said, well, why are you nervous? He said, well, are you going to fire me? I said, no, sir, no. I said, I just, I just really, I've got something really important I'd like to talk to you about. So I said, well, what? You know, I said, well, I'd like to talk to you about God. And the minute I said that, I, maybe it was all that nervousness built up inside of him. He just exploded in anger. And he took his Later on, I found out this is how Muslims do. He took his, you know, index finger and he kind of pointed it in the air and he said, I want to tell you something. You're a Christian and I'm a Muslim and there's nothing you can tell me about God. And the instant he said that, I was sitting, we were sitting in a booth. I was on one side, he was on the other. And, and Brother Simons, it's like the invisible fist of God came down and bam, smashed that table. And I felt that so Powerfully, but as I looked at Suhail, he literally jumped back. And I thought, oh my word, he felt it too. And he changed his demeanor immediately. And God just gave me the words. I said, listen, Suhail, that's the problem in the world today. The world is filled with Christians, but God's not looking for Christians. The world's filled with Muslims, but God's not looking for Muslims. The world is filled with Jews, but God's not looking for Jews. God's looking for sons. And the Bible said he was in the world and the world knew him not. Uh, he, he, he made the world and the world didn't know him. But to as many as receive him, to them he will give the power to become the sons of God. To those that believe on his name. And immediately he said, brother, I want that. I thought, oh God, that was easy. I mean, we got there Come to find out, his older brother, there was a very wealthy family, the El Effendi family. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of a mana company here in America, like a mana radar ranges and microwaves and refrigerators. They had the, oh, it's like a concession, maybe uh, a franchise, uh, to manufacture a mana products there in Luxor, Egypt. They had a factory. They had another factory in Aleppo, Syria, and they had a factory in Turin, Italy. And they were looking to open a factory in Tijuana, Mexico, to see if they could manufacture there and then ship across the border to the U.S. And so his older brother, the head of the family, was over attending University of Southern California there in San Diego uh, to perfect his English for the summer. And uh, so he said, you know, brother, would you come? My brother's staying with me. Could you come and teach us uh, about about the real Jesus, not just the Catholic, the Orthodox religion. We've got plenty of religion in Syria. We need God. And so uh, 
I, I said, well, I, I, when would you like me? He said, well, let me ask my brother. So, well, I was just going to talk about that for a minute or two. So, uh, he went back. I gave him a little Bible study that night on, on how Jesus Christ came uh, to all the world. Jew or Gentile doesn't matter. God made us all. He knows us all. He loves us all. All of us. The good and the bad. He loves us all. And so uh, he went home. He told his brother that. And his brother got angry. He said, see, I told you, you'd come over to America, you'd be away from your country, you'd be away from your faith, and they would reach for you and try to deceive you, and you bring that man to this house, I will show you. He doesn't know anything about God, you know. And so he came back the next, real cocky the next, my brother says, you don't know anything about God, but he wants you to come. And so I said, well, when does he want me to come? He said, after you get off work tonight, when you close the restaurant. I said, well, that could be 3 a.m., brother. He said, that would be great. Please come. And so the rest of the night, while I was I kept praying, what should I teach? What, God, what? And it was kind of unusual. The Lord said, teach on the water, the blood, and the spirit. And I thought, well, that's kind of advanced. Uh, but I will. And so uh, I went. And when I met the brother, he must have either cooled off or was putting up a, he was a good guy. His name was Samir Effendi, uh, El Effendi. Uh, Samir is a sweet, sweet-natured man, but very Muslim, you know, uh, which that didn't bother me. I had been very Catholic. But God knows how to reach past our denomination and touch our hearts. And that's where he wants to dwell anyway, not in just in our intellects, but in our hearts. And so uh, I started teaching, and before I noticed, I would look at Samir, he'd be weeping. Uh, I'd talk about the blood of Jesus, about uh, being washed in the name of Jesus in baptism. Not just your feet, not just your hands, like they do in Islam. I, I said, you can wash your feet, you can wash your hands, but how do you wash your heart? You know, and boy, that got him. Because he had a lot of things needed to be washed. And so, uh, talked about the baptism of the Spirit of God, how God would dwell in you and change your life. And uh, at the end, you know, I said, can I pray for you guys before I leave? By now it's like the sun is already up. And uh, he said, would you please? So I prayed for both of them. And uh, as I was getting ready to go, he said, will you come back tonight? I thought, oh, you bet. You bet. Man, I'm coming back. I came back every night, night after night after night after night after night, only to find out that when I would leave in the morning, he would call back to Aleppo, Syria, and reteach that Bible study to his family. And uh, at the end of the three months, he went back and he said, please, brother, would you ever come to Aleppo? We need you in Aleppo. And I told him, brother, you, you think I'm just saying this? But before I ever met you, before I ever met Suhail that very night, God had finally told me where he wanted me to uh, go, Aleppo, Syria. And yes, I'll be glad to. And it took four years to get there. And another time we'll tell that story. And we'll, we're going to just take a little break and play a song. But that's Brother Joseph Conroy telling us how he got to Syria. And then when we come back after this short song, we're going to talk about uh, how he got from there to Jordan. Leap forward. Okay. Changes a man, and the answers are a dime. 
There's just one way. Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. No man could come to the Father but by him, and that is why it's so important that we send missionaries out to different places in the world because they need to hear about Jesus. Why don't just give a shout-out to Ben Yoder listening in tonight. Brother Duran, the esteemed Brother Duran, uh, the king of Holy Ghost Radio is listening. We've got Yvonne and Marin listening in Bowman. Stephen out in Pennsylvania. Brother Johnson in Arizona. And um, Luke and Becky are listening tonight. They, You know Luke and Becky. And they, uh, they're from the Beulah Church. And they, they say they're, they're uh, listening to Brother Conroy, their friend, tonight. So text me, 701-290-7862. You can be part of this program tonight. We've got Joseph Conroy in the studio, if you're just tuning in late, uh, telling us he gave us a backdrop of how he became a missionary. Uh, his Roman Catholic training had developed in him a love for the things of God, and then he found this Acts 238 message, and then working at a pizza hut, God directed him in a miraculous way to go to Syria, and then from there we'll find out what happens next. Well, praise God. I would like to reiterate this one thing. Every one of you that's born again of the water and the spirit, you have a missionary call on you. Jesus didn't say, go some of you into all the world. He said, go you. And uh, you can point at yourself and say, go me into the world. Your mission field may not be a country as much as a place, a locale, even uh, a ministry in your church, whether it may be just vacuuming the carpet so that there's a beautiful place for people to come and worship. Give God your best. Find your your field and then work it. Praise God. Uh, anyway, after uh, uh, some time, uh, Samir went back to Syria. I didn't know it. I thought it would be immediately that God would open that door and I would get over there. But it literally took four years uh, before God spoke to me and said, now get on the plane and go. And he miraculously provided me with the means to be able to go and to be over there in that field of my calling. And uh, relatively quickly, this, here's what's amazing. Uh, a lot of people expect an awful lot out of foreign missionaries. You're over there for a year, two years, three years, and when you come back, people say, how many are you running? You know, uh, And you say, well, we've got eight it's like, really? That's all? It's like, well, now I've been there for two years. Your church is 80 years old and you have 40. So do the math. I'm way ahead of you here. But I would never say that. But, but I think they expect these grandiose, we had a million people uh, this last month. That's so impractical and so unrealistic. Uh, even if you look at Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, uh, we, we see that there were 3,000 added to the church that day. And so a lot of people wonder, why doesn't that happen anymore? Why don't we have 3,000 into the church in one day? And I think they're not understanding the context of that event. It did, what, that didn't happen in a day. It happened on a day, but it took God well over a thousand years to speak to Abraham and Ur of the Chaldees and bring him out, bring him down into Egypt, bring him out, bring the Jews down, bring him out, bring him into Babylon, bring him back, prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet, John the Baptist, three years of Jesus' ministry, to get a, a group to that place where he could bring them in. And if you do the math, if you divide 3,000 by the 120 seasoned men and women of God that received the Holy Ghost that morning, that breaks down to 25 new converts for every mentor 
in that group. And when you can build mentors in your church, God will add. But he's not going to birth babies that he'll watch starve to death. That's my personal opinion, but I I believe I'm correct. Anyway, anyway, uh, God over to Syria. We're going to skip over Syria. Uh, Brother Simon's told me, did you tell me that? Or am I just... Uh, I'd come back another time and talk about that. But uh, God, it was amazing. Relatively quickly there in Syria, we had phenomenal revival. I was shocked at how easy it was. Uh, everybody had warned me, you're going to a Muslim country, you'll find out those people will kill you. They won't accept uh, Jesus. They hate God, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and half I kind of was fearful that that might be the condition. But I love Syria. I have to tell you that. Uh, Muslim, Sunni, Shia, Alawi, uh, Greek Orthodox, Syrian Orthodox, Armenian Orthodox, Armenian Catholic, Roman Catholic. I loved them all. Uh, there's just something about the Syrian people. Uh, they have such a sweet spirit. Um, uh, they can be fierce, like Naaman in the Bible in Second Kings chapter 5. And yet when they hear the word of God, they humble down. It was amazing. It was amazing. People receiving the Holy Ghost, getting baptized in Jesus' name. Miracles of healing, phenomenal. Uh, After two years, we grew there in Syria. We were having church seven days a week, five times a day. Unbelievable. Uh, oh yeah, it was be, I would be, it'd be like two, three in the morning and I'd be thinking the 6am service is coming real quick, God. Uh, so you know how it's like, all right, all right, let's just pray one last time as we're dismissed, 3am. Uh, and someone would always say, but brother, could we just sing one more time? Fis salib, fis salib. And that means at the cross, at the cross. And I think, oh God, of course we can. Of course we can. Uh, it was wonderful. But after two years, we, we, I took two of the brothers. We felt we've got to spread this gospel. We had a good, solid people there in Aleppo. I left one of the brothers there and another brother George and a brother Salim and I. We felt to go up to Istanbul, Turkey, which is not an Arab-speaking city. Turkey, by and large, except in the south, is Turkish-speaking and Armenian-speaking. Uh, but there are Arab speakers in south, southeast, no, southwest. I had to do my geography uh, along the, the Mediterranean coast there. Uh, and we went to Istanbul, and God was very good. We found two Trinitarian works there, uh, church churches, uh, very open to, to the full gospel. And uh, they came into the fullness of truth. Um, then... Uh, we left Brother Salim. We kind of parted company there in Aleppo. I mean, in Istanbul. And Brother George and I felt to go somewhere else. And uh, it was kind of funny. You know, there's some places you just don't want to go. And to me, I knew where one of them was. I had seen a travel picture of Petra, the city of Petra in Jordan, which is kind of like a city carved out of the rocks. Not a blade of grass, a tree, or a bush to be seen. Just sand and rocks. And to me, that was what Jordan was. A couple Bedouin tents, some camels. Uh, And the Lord started dealing with me, go to Amman, Jordan. And I would say, oh, but God, really? I I don't want to go there. I will if you insist. But I really don't want to go And at that very same time, uh, the missionary there in Austria, 
Uh, he had heard about our work. He had known me through common friends of ours that had gone to the same Bible school. And uh, he said, Brother, I have Arab people coming to the church here in Vienna. And really, if if you could come to Vienna, we've got an evangelist quarters that's empty. You could live there. Uh, I'd be glad to help you out financially. Please come. And I said, well, I have a Syrian brother with me. And he would have to come as well. Uh, we've kind of teamed up preaching here. And he could do much more to help me with the Arabs than than, than I can do alone. I said, if you could get an invitation for him from your church, we'll go to the consulate here in Istanbul, the Austrian consulate, and see if we can get him a visa to come. So he had a notarized, you know, all the what we needed sent to us. At the same time, uh, a Spanish brother of a Spanish organization and an indigenous uh, organization in Spain, Brother Armando Ferrero, uh, he had heard about us. And uh, he was uh, working out of the city of Barcelona, or the way they say in Spain, Barcelona. And uh, he was there, and he wanted me to come. And so the Lord would say, go to Amman. I say, but God, look, we've got Austria. I would love to go to Vienna, God. It's beautiful. And we can work for you there. And, and Spain? Oh, brother, I, I love Spain. I speak Spanish, kind of. I could pick the rest up and perfect my grammar easily. Oh, please, God, either Spain or Austria, but not, not Amman. And uh, Brother George would be telling me, Brother, I, I'm feeling God calling us somewhere. We've got to make up our mind in this next week or two. I said, well, all right. I said, well, because we're still up in Istanbul. I said, let's go to the Austrian embassy and let's go to the Spanish embassy, our, our consulates, and we'll apply. I said, but Brother, I, I'm not a Turkish citizen. I'd have to go back to Syria and apply. They don't usually do that, give you a visa when you're not a citizen of the country you're applying in. I said, well, let's just see. Let's put it before God. And if God wants us to go to Vienna, he'll give us that visa. If he wants us to go to uh, Barcelona, uh, we'll get the the visa for Barcelona uh, and whatever. And then Brother George said, but you know, brother, I'm thinking God wants us to go to Amman, Jordan. (laughs) Oh, No, 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 no. Because deep in my heart, I'm thinking, yeah, and so do I. But really, if I could not go, I would be a happy camper. Uh, I will go, God, if you want. I said, well, let's just try that. Vienna or or Barcelona? Let's go apply. Well, when we went to the Austrian council, they said, no way. He has to go back to Syria. No way. You can go. You're American. No problem. But he cannot get a visa here in Turkey. So I thought, oh, okay. And so Brother George looked at me. I said, well, see, what we told, we told God. He evidently doesn't want us to go to, Bar- or to uh, Vienna. So, so let's go to the Spanish consulate and see what happens there. And so we went the next day. We went to the Spanish consulate. Uh, it was a lady a council at that time. And we walked in real friendly. She asked us if she could get us some coffee. Uh, they don't do that in embassies and councils. She was so friendly. And uh, we said, well, uh, thank you, but no. She said, well, can I help you? And I said, well, yes. I said, I'm, I'm here with this Syrian uh, man, and there's a pastor in Barcelona that uh, he would like uh, some Arabic-speaking people to help him to reach the Arab people that are living there, working there in, in Spain. Uh, I said, uh, is there any way that we could get a visa for this young man? And she looked at me and said, well, normally, no. 
But you know, I like you. She said, so here's what I'm going to do. Here's the papers. Fill them out. I will include them in the next diplomatic pouch going out. She said, I can't promise you anything, but I will write my own recommendation. Come back in 10 days and you will have your answer. And so we left. And brother says, well, they're not going to give me one. I said, well, let's just wait on God. She said, come back. We will come back. And so when we came back, there she was. And uh, I said, well, good. She said, oh, you're the ones that applied for the visa, right? You're the man from Syria. And uh, he said, well, yes, I am. And she said, well, I I have news for you. I think she was pulling our leg because she was really depressing looking. And uh, we said, yes. She said, you got the visa. And I thought, well, see, Brother George, there we go. We're going to Barcelona, man. We're going to Barcelona. And yet while I was even saying that, I felt that inner Holy Ghost saying, no, I'm on Jordan. And so we took the visa. We walked out. And Brother George said, no, brother. No, brother. I'll go if you insist. But I really feel God wants us to go to Amman. And I hadn't said yay or nothing about Amman to him. Uh, And so I said, well, okay, listen. What we'll do is we'll look for the Jordanian council. They'll give you, you can go in. You're a Syrian. You're one of the few countries that a Syrian can go right into Jordan. They have an agreement between the two countries. But I'm an American, and uh, they probably won't give me a visa here uh, in Turkey. I'll have to go back to America and get that visa. And, brother, we don't have any finances, but, but we'll do it. If God wants us to go to Jordan, he will give us that visa. And if not, then that's it. We'll go to Barcelona. And I was praying, please God, Barcelona, please God, Barcelona. And so we set off that same afternoon looking for the Jordanian consulate. And I had a, a written down address. It was in uh, the area of town called Taksim, where all the major, like Hilton Hotel, the other consulates, the big companies, this the like big part of Istanbul. You know, and we're looking, well, I can't seem to find, a, it should be around here. And we kept passing this man. It was like those brownstone buildings in New York with like uh, three or four steps type ports with railings that go up each side to the main entrance. And this is this guy in a trench coat standing there smoking a cigarette. And we'd walk by him and we'd get where, no, now the numbers are, are going down. It's we We passed it. So we'd go back and now the numbers are, are going up. We kept passing this guy. And so about the third or fourth time we walked by him, uh, he stopped me and he said, do you speak English? I said, well, yes, sir, I do. Can I help you? He said, well, no, but maybe I can help you. Uh, are you a tourist here in Turkey? And I said, well, yes, sir, I am. You know, he said, well, have you ever been to Jordan? I thought, oh, God. And Brother George, is, he grabbed my arm. And, and I said, well, no, sir, I haven't. He said, would you like to come? I said, well, how do you mean that? He said, well, I'm the council. This is the consulate. And uh, if you'll come in today, we usually charge people like a fee for the visa. I'll give it to you for free. We need tourism in Jordan. Would, would you go? And I just thought, yes, I will go. I will go. And that's how we went to Jordan. And that was before the Gulf War broke out. I know we're jumping all over the place, but I just want people out there to know that when God calls you to do something, he will open the door. He will equip you. He will make the way. I promise you. It won't always look like that. Your prayer life may be more like my prayer life. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? 
And the answer will always be the same for you as it is for me. God will let me pray. I'll walk back and forth in my house sometimes when I'm facing major mountains in my way. And I'll just be praying, God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And God will let me pray for like that for an hour, two, three hours. And then he'll break in and say, I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to walk back and forth, back and forth, saying, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? It's not going to change a thing. And then I'm going to step in, and I'm going to open doors you never thought could be open. And you're going to rejoice, and you're going to testify about that for a week or two till the next mountain's in your way. And you'll be right back to, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope in God. He's with you. He's for you. Praise God. And so uh, we went to Amman, Jordan. We got there with a total of $80 in our pocket between the two of us on Christmas Eve. Um, Didn't have a place to stay. We didn't have any missionary help. Uh, There was no check coming. Didn't know what to do. But we knew God would provide the way. And boy, did he. He did. Uh, I was going to save that $80 and try and stretch it out as far as possible. But I just thought, you know what? Let's go out. It's Christmas the next day. Let's go have they at the hotel. They had a big buffet. Let's go out and celebrate our arrival in Jordan with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we spent about 30 bucks, And uh, so we had 50 left. Uh, but God was good. Someone came in and paid our hotel bill. Uh, uh, a denominational Christian, he'd see us going in and out every day. Uh, he came in and paid our hotel bill. Uh, then God sent us an offering. We were able to rent. And before you knew it, we were witnessing and witnessing and witnessing and witnessing and witnessing and witnessing. But it wasn't like Syria, where it just, boom, revival. Uh, eventually, time went by. And uh, Brother George married an American woman, young lady. I don't want to make... He married an old lady. She was probably 20-something. And they came back. And and, uh, we rented a building. uh, Well, first we went to one part of a building in downtown Amman in the fundamentalist area of town uh, called, uh, 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 not Smithsani, not Swathia. Went right out of my head. Can you imagine that? Uh, Right in the downtown where all the fun, where the radical mosques were. And uh, we started having services there. And then we, God sent us a little more money. We rented another. We had the whole top floor. Then eventually we had pretty much the whole building except for the shop that the owner had on the bottom floor. We had the rest of the building. And uh, we built up to about 60 Jordanian people coming to every service, but not one of them had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. None of them were baptized in Jesus' name. I think they just came to see what is this new thing. And uh, it was like, oh, it was hard. It was so hard. Uh, You have no idea until we've got 60 people that are not filled with the Spirit of God that you're trying to pull into the kingdom by your preaching, by your praying, by your showing them, raise your hands, worship God, you know. And they would put their hands up like in a physical uh, position, but then they'd look at you like, now? Do I have it now? Oh, yikes. No, you don't. No, you don't. Worship God. And that went on for week after week, month after month. And uh, the church was packed, but nobody except for Brother George, his wife, and myself. 
and I was playing the keyboard and preaching and altar call. I'd reach over. I had the keyboard right up by the altar so I could play with one hand, lay hands on people with the other, and then pray for a third hand so I could wave it in the air and say, just worship God, you know, and nothing, nothing, nothing. And one night, it was, it was like, it was like trying to pull a locomotive with your bare teeth on a chain. Just was difficult. And one night in the middle of song service, uh, Brother George's wife, her name was Sister Julie, she just kind of broke into the song and said, Brother Joseph, I can't take this anymore. And I thought, oh God, don't break now, don't break now. This will happen. And I said, well, are you all right? She said, no, I'm not, brother. She said, I've got the Holy Ghost. You've got the Holy Ghost. My husband has the Holy Ghost. We know better than this. You know, this dead nothing. And I thought, but just keep, I mean, that's a moment. Keep the faith. Keep faith. God will give us a breakthrough. Little did I know that was our breakthrough. Uh, She looked at me. She said, Brother Joseph, would you obey the Holy Ghost right now? And I said, well, of course I would. She said, would you do what you see me do? And I thought, well, yeah, I would. What's it going to do? She took off running around that church, running the aisles yelling, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And uh, so that hit me. I mean, I just felt it. And uh, so I took off running after her, hallelujah, hallelujah. Brother George took off running after me, hallelujah. And the three of us just ran the aisles around. And everybody was just watching us like, what are they doing? What are they doing? We ran like one time, two times, three times, four times, five times, nothing. About the sixth time, we noticed people were starting to worship a little bit. And the seventh time we ran around, uh, it was funny the way the people came into our church. They came from different backgrounds, Greek Orthodox, uh, Shia Muslim, Sunni Muslim, Roman Catholic. And when they would come in, they would bring their Catholic friends or their Muslim friends, and they would sit together. So it was almost like we had organized the church by section, the Greek Orthodox section, the Shia section, the Catholic section, the Nazarene section, the Southern Baptist section. And uh, this one lady sitting in the middle of the Greek Orthodox section. When we ran around about the seventh time, I looked at her and she put her head down for just a second. She was sitting down. And then, whoop, she threw her hands both up in the air and came through just yelling in tongues. She jumped up and her chair went flying. And you know when they have those, uh, 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 what do they call them, firecrackers tied together at the, uh, the fuses and you light them on the bottom and it's just like, they all go up. Ten Greek Orthodox people got the Holy Ghost in like two minutes flat. Man, it changed our church forever. And within just a week or two, virtually every man, woman, boy, and girl in that church was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, I have to tell you something, and and you follow, I mean, not you, Pastor, but anybody listening out there, don't be afraid to be bold and brave. People that are lost are not looking for cowards. Jesus didn't say, light a candle, but put it under your bed so nobody can see it. And we had gotten uh, advice from another missionary that believed the way we did. That said, now, brothers, don't use any amplifiers. Close your windows and draw your shades. Don't have tambourines and guitars. Just, you got to be quiet because this is a Muslim country. And uh, they'll come in. They'll persecute you. They'll kick you out. 
they might, you're on the top floor having church. They might throw you out the window. So don't do that. So I said, thank you. Went out and bought a speaker system, put them in the windows to blare over the whole downtown Amman, Jordan. I'll tell you what, God blessed us. We had favor with everyone. Muslim, Christian alike, we had favor with them. They saw the transformation. The Muslims would come and say, your Christian women are the only ones that dress in a godly fashion. You know, and they say, more than our Muslim women. They don't wear lipstick. They don't wear purple eyeshadow and blushing red cheeks and green fingernails. You know, they're modest. I said, that's the change that Jesus makes. So uh, uh, the Gulf War broke out about that time, and uh, it's going to be time to kind of finish up. Have me back another time. I'd be glad to come back. But uh, well, when t- we Tell were... us about that Gulf War. And I know, wasn't there a time when the, the church there went through some terrible times? Then we went people? through. The, the whole Gulf War was terrible yeah. times. Uh, I would be glad to come back and talk about that, but I will tell you this, uh, just in closing. Recently I was in, okay, I was in... Uh, I'll just say a city here, a town here in North Dakota. And uh, I have a P.O. box, a post office box in that town. And every week there's kind of the like the dollar saver type newspaper. And uh, a local church, a denominational church, and they always have a big frontage pad or front page ad. Come this Sunday, helicopter Easter egg drop, you know, or come this Sunday, meet Santa Claus, you know, he will be here in person, that type thing, and more power to him, you know, you're not going to preach the truth, so if you can get him there with Easter eggs, go for it, Uh, but the last maybe two or three weeks ago, I was all riled up, Uh, they had, the headline was, come and hear this Sunday, Pastor so-and-so from the Ukraine, Pastor so-and-so and and his family, uh, they have a wonderful testimony. They escaped the Ukraine on the first day of the war. They were able to get out of the country, come and hear their testimony. And I don't know, maybe I'm just kind of contrary, but immediately I remembered a Bible verse. Jesus said, the hireling, when he sees the wolf come, he's out of there. But the good shepherd, he will not leave his sheep. And I I thought, this guy, when the war came, he didn't wait till the middle of the war. Or the fourth day, the first man, he was out. I thought, what about your sheep, sir? And again, this is another boast. I'm not a brave man. I'm really not. But I am a stubborn man. And I am Irish. And we don't back down. I promise you, we do not back down. And... uh, There in the Middle East, when that Gulf War broke out, I just knew it. There is no way. If Saddam Hussein starts rolling, because between Israel and Iraq, there's Jordan. And uh, not to put Jordan down, but they didn't have the kind of army that could for a moment withstand uh, Saddam Hussein and the Iraqi. No way. And uh, I thought even if they start rolling across the country, as long as there's one little kid, we had opened a wonderful Christian school, free tuition, uh, and and that was a wonderful soul-winning tool as well. Uh, I can truthfully say another boast. You know, like Paul said, you know, I'm not a good, this is not what Joe Conroy says, I'm not a a good sports player. Uh, I'm not coordinated at all. You would laugh at me. I'd be the last one picked for a baseball team. I would, because I would be swinging, 
and the ball would hit. It's on your other side, Joe, or it's over your head. You're swinging at nothing, you know. But I would give it my best shot. But uh, I would not be a good for the team. Um, but I do know that I do have this boast, that God can use anybody at any time if they'll just yield themselves to him. And there are people on every inhabited continent of the earth today that God has privileged me to preach the gospel to, baptize in Jesus' name with my own hands, pray with them till God filled them with the Holy Ghost. And uh, I know when that 17-year-old Joe Conroy ran down to that altar at Truth Tabernacle, Fresno, California, they just didn't see much in me. They liked me. But nobody ever said, you know, I think we'd like to have you in that young preacher's class. But God had plans for me. And uh, and I'll close out with that tonight if it's all right. Uh, You may not feel very important. You may kind of do a a survey of yourself. Uh, What do I have going for me? Uh, I can't sing. I'm I'm talking about myself. I can belt it out, but I really, no one's going to ever ask me to make a record. Uh, I can teach, but I'm very seldom asked to preach a conference. I have been, unbelievably, uh, but just as one of the speakers. But I am amazed how God can use anybody, anything. In fact, I think that's why he chooses people like Joe Conroy. That may well be out there where you're thinking, well, what do I have going for me? you got God going for you, and that's all you need because it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so uh, you you get in your church, be faithful, let your, your ministry and your church, uh, let them have a say in your future. You know, don't just rise up well the lord called me so i'm off you know uh, if the lord really called you that door will open for you at the proper time uh, this is my last thing is brother george was my first convert over there and i'll give his testimony another time uh, he's a he's a good guy uh, i i love him he's a sweet man uh, he was the manager again of a restaurant there in aleppo syria god was good to save that man uh but he told me later, if you had come four years ago, because I told him how God had laid the, the groundwork with the Effendi family there in Aleppo. And when I got there, they had me for about a month, and then they said, no, if we were in America, we would gladly become apostolic. But this is Syria. If we become Christian, we'll lose our business, we'll lose our relatives, we might lose our lives. And brother, we have too much to lose to let you keep coming which that shocked me. Uh, But that was God's will. That's how I got over there. And before you knew it, others were coming in, the little guys. And Brother George told me that if you would have come four years ago, I wouldn't have been ready to receive this message. But you came at the right time, brother. And you know what? God's timing is perfect. He doesn't miss a beat. So thank you for letting me come a little bit. I hope I've encouraged someone out there. You know, quick question for you too, Brother Conroy. Yes, you know, many of the missionaries I know have, you know, programs that, uh, you know, vast amount of churches support them. You, you kind of went there on a shoestring, didn't you? Um, uh, no, I didn't even have a shoestring. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had what I had in my pocket. God blessed me with $3,000 and that was it. And I bought myself a one-way ticket because uh, I know myself. I thought, I'll get over there. I'll chicken out. I want to come back. Uh, 
I went by faith. And that's really the only way to go. I'm, as I said in the beginning, I'm 67 years old. When you ask old people to speak, they're liable to say anything. <laughs> uh, so I will just say this. I'm glad programs exist. But they're not for everybody. Sometimes the programs that had such a good intention in the beginning to help the missionary or to help this or that, as time goes by, the program becomes bigger than the people they're helping. And after a while, you have to exist to serve the program. If you can't serve the program, well, then we'll move you and get someone else in that can. Mm. Uh, I've had other missionaries that are on programs say, we wish we'd gone your way, brother. Yeah. Uh, you can just pack, get up and go where God tells you to go. Well, I, I know that you're a, um, you've never been married. And I'm just wondering if you would have been married if if, a, if your wife, you would have driven her crazy. See, would she have gone? <laughs> yeah, because of, you know, with just absolutely no. Or would uh, I have, you know, I, I really believe that's why God does call some people. You can look in the mission field mm-hmm. over the years, uh, especially there in, in West Africa and in Thailand. You know, Brother Billy Cole gets a lot of credit for the revival in Thailand. But there was a woman there. She had gone over from Denmark as a Lutheran uh, nursing missionary that she came into the full gospel. Mm-hmm. And for decades, uh, she joined the United Pentecostal Church Organization. And she was their missionary in Thailand. She would walk up and down mountains, through the forest, through jungles, to bring the salvation message mm-hmm. to the people of Thailand. And when revival finally came, my opinion the wrong person got the credit. <laughs> well, at least it, at least it came. Yeah, you've been listening. You've been listening to the Tell It Like It Is radio show. Uh, we certainly weren't worried about Brother Conroy uh, running out of stories before he ran out of time. He ran out of time. We will have him back. I've got a lot of really neat texts tonight. People are really enjoying this, and so we definitely will have him come back and tell us some more missionary uh, stories. And we just want to reach out to you if you would are in the Dickinson area this Wednesday night at 501 Elks Drive, the New Life Pentecostal Church. We have a church service at 7.30 on Sunday mornings. 10 o'clock is Sunday school. 11 o'clock is our worship service. If you live out west in the beach area, we have a church there. At, they have a Tuesday night service at the Beach Community Service Center, which soon to have our own building there that's not quite complete yet. And then on Thursday or Wednesday nights in Bowman at 7.30 and also Sunday morning in Bowman at 10.30. And then we have a church in Beulah, which has services Wednesday night and Sundays. Churches all over this area. We're so thankful that you've been tuning in tonight. And I'll just close out this broadcast with prayer tonight. Lord Jesus, we ask you to work. God, we're thankful, Lord, that you're spreading this message all across this world. God, and we pray that those that are listening tonight that need to I have this Acts 238 message applied to their lives, God, that you'll give them the courage, God, and help them to follow through with what you're telling them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, God bless, folks, and we will be back next Sunday night at 8.06 Mountain Time for another Tell It Like It Is radio show. Out of darkness into his marvelous light into his marvelous light out of darkness into his marvelous light come on come on come on come on out of darkness into his marvelous light out of darkness into his marvelous light out of darkness into his marvelous light come on out of darkness
a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. You should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The preceding program was brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio.